Welcome to Have Some Style. My name is Moshe Lundstrom-Halbert. I'm a fashion journalist and style expert, and I believe that what you wear is self-care. This brand new show discusses all matters of personal style and helps you find yours. So forget trends, lose the logos, burn the chinos, and break the damn rules. Let's experiment and evolve. It's time to wear the clothes and not the other way around. I want to inspire you to explore what makes you feel like your truest self, because authenticity never goes out of style. If you're looking for a show that tells you to buy something to be relevant or that what you currently own and love is trash, there's a new trend that you must hop on every week, this is certainly not that. I believe that we are drawn to people who have a natural and innate ability to listen to their instincts, follow their gut, stay curious, and dress accordingly. After all, we're inundated with media and messaging these days that it's causing what I view as a homogenization in the way many of us dress. So together, let's take a step back and get very intentional with what we wear, how we present, how we show up in the world, and the energy we send out via our fashion. So if that interests you, please go ahead and follow and subscribe to the show. We'll continue on this journey together. Think having more money equals having more style? Think again. I'm going to give you some clear and insightful reasons why less is often more. Because no matter how much or little you think you have, you too can have some style. Ready to dive into today's topic of why money doesn't equal style? I sure am. Here are the four ways that you can do more with less. And stay tuned to the end of the episode where I recap this and give us some style homework, myself included, because we're all in this together and it's a continual process of self-improvement. Number one, status symbols are not style. Depending on where you live, who you follow on social media, you'll probably notice that there is a ton of people that are decking themselves out head to toe in designer brands and logos. And you know what? Good for them. Find each their own. But I want to clearly distinguish status symbols from style, flexing from fashion, because there is a clear distinction in my mind. Okay, so I'm going to throw out some obvious examples that just really come to me top of mind of this kind of like rich status flex look that you might have seen before. So it might be Hermes handbags, it could be Cartier jewelry, it could be Louis Vuitton anything, especially slippers it seems these days, um, Bottega clutches, Gucci tracksuits, Valentino studs on accessories. Um, Chanel anything, Dior book bag, Versace jumpsuit, Ballman blazer. I mean, I could go on and on with these like very recognizable, branded, often logoed items. What I want you to think about is when someone's wearing this, you don't really notice them first and foremost. You notice the brand and your affiliations with that brand or your associations rather. So essentially what this person is doing is they're becoming um, a sandwich board for that brand and they're offering their free PR services via their person because they are just covered head to toe in these symbols of these very famous luxury brands. But what I would just like to remind us all is that what we wear has meaning and a deep meaning and how people perceive us and how we perceive ourselves matters. And I think it's really important to think about and be strategic and control that message so that it aligns with, again, who you are authentically and what you're trying to communicate, accomplish, and where you're trying to go, frankly. So living in Los Angeles and Miami as I do, it's very interesting. I see a lot of this kind of 
almost fashion fronting, um, a lot of shameless displays of wealth and status. And I really think it's a missed opportunity. And I'm going to share with you why. So listen to me here. You only have one life and there's only one you. You are not a brand and it's very dangerous, I think, to be defined by one. And also this concept of wearing brand names, like visibly, it's relatively new. If you look back as far as the 70s, people were not really doing that. Maybe a little bit with like Gucci or Louis Vuitton, but not in the same way where every luxury house virtually these days, every brand has a logo and that logo is splashed across its merchandise. Essentially, a lot of their products, instead of being fundamentals of design or expressions of creativity and an idea and a concept and a new silhouette, they really are merch. They are branded merch. There is no design there. It's just graphic design via the logo. So not to sound corny, but I do really think it's important to remember that like we come into this world naked and we are we leave it naked. But while we're here, while we're alive, while we're on this planet, while we're trying to live our best lives, I think it's very important to think intentionally about what you are putting on your physical body, on your person, and what that means. So I believe that we are all unique people with very unique gifts, but dressing in just a handful of recognizable brands doesn't really share with the world um, or the universe energetically what those gifts are. It really shows that you have money and are willing to conform to certain societal standards of wealth and status. That is it. Having the thing that X celebrity has or that you've seen in X magazine or an X social media account really doesn't distinguish you from anyone else. So the marketing behind all of these brands is very strong, very powerful. I myself find sometimes that I will fall um, prey to it where I'll, I'll have to um, almost unbrainwash myself and say to myself, wait, do I actually want this thing? Or am I made to believe that I think I need it because of what it represents? Like, do I, if I took away the brand, would I still want this thing. And with that spirit in mind, I have four questions that I think are very important to ask yourself when you're making a purchase. So number one is, do I like the design fit and construction of this product enough to put it on my body? That's the number one thing to think about. Like, is it worthy of putting on your person? Number two, does this align with my style? On this channel, on this show, we're gonna be doing a lot of work to really hone in and cultivate exactly what that is for you. For some of us, it might be already a lot more developed and for others, we might really have to be um, doing more work to fully extrapolate what our style is, but you have to ask yourself that question. Number three is, is it me? It's just three simple words, but ask yourself that with everything. Even ask yourself that with things that are already in your closet and, and that you own. Is this me? A lot of times when we acquire something, we get it because the price was right. We get it because we were having fun at the time or we wanted to create a memory. We get it because we think we should have it. We get it because we were tired of looking and you know, we get it because we were feeling a sense of like loneliness or a lack of and so we decided to acquire something to try and fill a void. I know I've certainly done all of those things. And lastly, I want you to ask yourself with everything you see and are thinking about getting or thinking about wearing, like, does this give me a feeling of yes? 
Like when I put this on and I'm like, okay, yes, yes. It's like an inner feeling in your gut that tells you immediately and you don't have to search for that answer. You know it right away. And if you're, you know, circling, looking at yourself, adjusting constantly, being like, is this a yes? It's not. It's as simple as that. You know when you put something on, if it's a yes or not, you know if something feels like you is aligned with your style, feels good on your body, and then you have your answer. But if you're not asking yourself that, you might be led astray and be pulled further and further away from what your true and authentic style is. And that's really what we're trying to define here. So if you are dressing head to toe in flashy designer items without answering those four fundamental questions that I just listed, congratulations, you have money, but you do not have style. So number two is some of the best recipes or outfits are made with the freshest and simplest of ingredients. We all know this to be true. I mean, Italian food really defines that or Japanese food too at its utmost. It really isn't about having a bunch of things. It's about having less, but having better, having just what's essential and having the best ingredients possible. So while you can buy things to wear, you actually cannot buy style. I want you to think of your closet as your personal style kitchen. You need like a pantry section that has a bunch of your essentials that you know you can always fall back on. You've got, you know, your cans of beans, uh, your dry stock, your coconut milk, whatever it is that you know in a pinch you can always turn into a beautiful and delicious and satisfying meal. The same thing and same principles apply to your wardrobe. Alternatively, you could have the most lavish ingredients in your kitchen. You could have, you know, a, a jar of caviar and some foie gras and some fancy cheese, I guess. Actually, that does sound really good, but you know what I mean? You could have some disparate ingredients that are very like expensive, exclusive, luxurious, but they don't necessarily go together and create a meal or create an outfit in the same way with your closet. You might have, you know, like the shoe of the season and the bag and the dress. It doesn't necessarily mean that when you wake up in the morning and open that closet, you feel inspired and that you have easy options to wear, which is really what this is all about. Creating systems so that you can just open your closet, step into it. If you have a walk-in closet, I don't, I just have a a door that opens, just reveal it to yourself and always feel inspired that there's options there for you. Even if they're limited, there's things in there that will always make you feel like your best self. So back to Italian food, like some of the best Italian dishes, some of the best outfits are really made with just like the freshest and simplest and minimal ingredients. Think of like a cacio e pepe or a spaghetti pomodoro. It really is minimal. It's like less than five ingredients that come together and sparkle. And it can be the same thing when it comes to your wardrobe and how you dress. Even if you aren't a minimalist, it's still that idea and that ethos of less is more, buy less, but buy better, and really treat yourself to the finest ingredients that you're going to be able to wear, incorporate, manipulate, mix in, in a multitude of ways. I'm not saying that everything has to be expensive and like the finest ingredients. I'm actually not saying that at all, which is why I brought in the reference of Italian food, because a lot of the ingredients, if you look at them, they're very humble. You know, it's like, dried pasta, it's good olive oil, it's a few seasonings, it's nice cheese. Um, they're humble, they're down to earth, they're relatable, they're accessible, they're things you can get from a variety of places. Some of those same principles really do apply here to your wardrobe. 
And that's also why oftentimes the best dressed person in a room is not the person dressed most lavishly. It's the person dressed most confidently, often simplistically, um, that will really shine because they seem to just like know who they are and not be trying as hard. And there's something incredibly compelling about that. So they're often wearing something simple, but just it's executed to perfection with just a certain finesse and their personality really shines through, which I think is the goal in all of this. So it could just be jeans and a shirt, but the shirt is just tied just so, and the jeans have a very specific fit and cut to them and hem. It could be a trench coat, but the trench is worn off the shoulder and with a red lip. Do you see what I mean? It's taking simple ingredients and manipulating them to work for you and reflect your style. It could be cozy knits but worn with like a vintage sneaker so it's a bit of a juxtaposition whatever it is i believe that simplicity and paring things down to their essence is a real fundamental of great style so we've all witnessed this effect in action and it's definitely more prevalent in certain places than others certainly in paris there are people who just really understand that you want to have less but better and wear the same things again and again in a multitude of different ways. And it really is all about embodying what you're wearing and not letting it wear you. I think that's part of the reason why people love to go to Paris for style inspiration and to see people that are that in their element and hope that some of that rubs off on them. But even if you can't get to Paris, I think if you follow these rules, we'll get closer to that certain je ne sais quoi that everyone loves. And my last point might come off a little abrupt or rude, but I think it's important to say. Money makes you lazy. And I'm going to tell you why I think so. It amazes me how often the richer someone gets, the more boring and predictable that their style becomes. Now, why is that? I'm going to explain to you why I think it might be. Well, there's actually a number of reasons. I think one of them is... When you have access to everything and the resources to afford it, you often farm out the responsibility of finding things to wear for yourself to other experts and people. Certainly, this is the case with a lot of celebrities, right? Even down to their looks when you see them out and about, snapped by the paparazzi, street style, are styled by someone else. They have someone on their payroll that... They are, you know, paying out on a biweekly basis to send them clothes and consult on all of their outfits. Oftentimes, it's not just for red carpet and public appearances. It's every time they're stepping out. Their style and the cultivation of it, um, I'm sure, you know, to varying degrees, depending on the person, there's a level of involvement there, but they're not fully owning that piece and especially the, the discovery process. I've done shoots before with celebrities where I will be styling them, but then I have to work directly with their stylist who is also working directly with their manager and their publicist and their agent and their friends and entourage and everyone is weighing in on what that person is wearing. So that person is becoming more and more sort of disassociated from the business and the machine that is who they are, the, biz the, the business of their brand. Um, and that happens a lot of cases 
with celebrities. But even just with like regular rich folk, I've seen this happen a lot, which is why I wanted to remind you that like just getting more money doesn't mean, oh, suddenly if I could afford this, that, and the other, I could be my best self and have better style. No, unfortunately, those two things do not correlate. So there's a number of reasons for this. One is they farm out the discovery process and the alchemy that is cultivating one's look, one's image, one one's wardrobe, what you're wearing. A lot of rich people, they will have personal shoppers either that work just for them or are on staff with various luxury e-com or department stores. They have their card on file and I'm, I'm not even kidding you. They will send them um, easily six figures worth of clothing on a seasonal basis for them to just choose from and then just send back what they don't want and then you know the difference gets charged to their card they're really not involved in the selection process of what they're wearing and the people that are dressing them are just trying to put them in expensive brands um, that fit them obviously there's like an element of service there but it's not something that's happening organically or holistically by any means they're also oftentimes sending them the must-have or the it items of the season. These are items that are super hot, they're gonna be everywhere all at once, and then they're gonna die a quick death the next season. And so these people's wardrobes will be become ballooning with luxury items that no longer feel relevant because they were so hot one moment. Whereas I think if you don't have as much money and you are buying something more expensive or investing in something, you're probably inclined to do a lot of research Think carefully about the cost per wear. Also consider, am I still going to want to wear this next season? Which is something that the rich just don't really need to consider. And I think it makes your style overall lazier and less interesting, more cliche, more predictable, more expected. I could go on. Also, the other thing I've observed about rich people is they often surround themselves with other rich people who are also prescribing to this method of self-presentation that really there's elements of one-upmanship and there's elements of belonging into this upper echelon world that require certain tokens or symbols to show that you belong. You know, like I said earlier, it could be that Hermes bag, it could be those Cartier jewels, whatever it is, beautifully made, top quality things for sure, but not unique. And often the richer you are, like I said, you, you become alienated from the real world. And also you, you're further and further away from some of the cultural forces that are really impacting where fashion is going. Because if you look at it, the people that are really the change agents that are really pushing the conversation forward, that are really evolving fashion, they're not the designers at the very top of these luxury houses. No, it's the emerging talents from smaller design schools from smaller fashion capitals that are getting scrappy and resourceful with less because they can't afford, you know, a triple pile cashmere to make everything out of. They're having to use a dead stock material, for example. I believe that a lack of resources can actually make you so much more resourceful. I'll give you an example of this. I remember when I first started going to fashion weeks, my first fashion weeks that I went to were in London. And, you know, I'm flying at the very back of the bus of the plane. I have no budget for a wardrobe of new clothes. I'm a nobody, no designers like lending me clothes to wear to the shows. I'm working with what I got. And so what I did in those early days is I was like literally going to the Salvation Army to try and find 
cool things, which I did. I would scour these like designer discount websites like Ukes to find past season things, um, which actually was very clever because then I wasn't wearing like the it item of the season and looking like such a lemming um, out there in the fashion world. I looked like more in the know that I was wearing past season Givenchy, for example. I remember I got this incredible Givenchy coat for like the deepest discount. I could barely afford it, but I was like, I'm going to wear this coat with everything this fashion week. It's worth it for me to make me feel like a real fashion person, but also show my true style and not just be showing a brand. And the other thing I did was I made things with my mom, just like old school sewed things. We made circle skirts out of leather and different various things. And then I also took some things from my husband's wardrobe, boyfriend at the time, uh, like a Rolling Stones vintage t-shirt, that kind of thing. I just got really scrappy and resourceful. And I'm telling you in those early days, I actually got my photograph taken more by the street style photographers and got more like attention and kudos and appreciation for my style than I did later on when I did start to get more access when I was further along in my career, when I did have a bit more of a budget to buy more expensive things and when designers were lending me things as well. My style, if I look back on it, probably became less authentic because I was wearing things that were like gifted to me or that I was borrowing versus things that I had worked really hard to find or afford and that I had thought really intentionally about, if that makes sense. So I may have spent way less than my fellow colleagues in the front row. At this point in my career, I was like in the fourth row, but I actually looked a lot more unique and special and interesting in a way because I wasn't wearing what everyone else was wearing. And I was wearing things that I really had worked hard to source and acquire that meant something to me. So I stood out, but in my own special way, not because of the brand I was wearing, but because of the way I was wearing things and the random combinations that I was coming up with just um, to try and be my best self in a very intimidating setting such as Fashion Week. So my final note to anyone who's listening to this who is rich or has a lot of money or is working towards becoming wealthy eventually and you might just think okay have you just told me that basically rich people have no style and it's just hopeless that's not what i'm saying what i want you to think about is historically in society we look to the wealthy individuals to patronize up and coming creative. So if you look at like French salon culture in the 18th and 19th century, you had the wealthiest people that were at the top of society bringing in the struggling artists, be it designers, poets, writers, artists into their salons, into their homes for these curated, cultivated, oftentimes evenings where their work was being exposed to people that could patronize it and afford it. I want you to think of social media and stores that you go into these days as salons if you have money and if you are working towards those goals. And I really believe it is your duty as a person of means to support the next generation of emerging talent. Do not be just shopping from a small selection of designer brands that show off status and symbols of wealth. No. To have true style means to be cultivating the next generation, being a patron of the arts, 
supporting emerging talents, be it BIPOC, Black and Indigenous, Latinx designers and creators, experimental designers, and be actually using your resources, your money towards helping further somebody else's career in these creative pursuits, because it's very, very hard for smaller designers to make a go of it and to be successful. And I really believe it is your duty to try and provide opportunities and patronize more people than just these luxury brands that really do not need their pockets padded anymore by your dollars. They could charge whatever they wanted and you would probably buy it versus smaller designers that you can oftentimes get a lot more from for less and have something that nobody else is going to have and also be a part of that person's artistic journey towards making a successful career as a designer, which I think is a really beautiful thing. So find those emerging talents. Do not just be going to the big five to 10 brands for all of your wardrobe needs. If you are a person of means, that is my message to you. You must consider it your duty to seek out and support independent designers and creatives from a diverse sector of backgrounds. So to summarize what we talked about, I want you to take note, write down these four fundamental mantras when it comes to having some style. Number one, status symbols are not style. Number two, some of the best recipes or outfits are made with simple and limited ingredients. Number three, money makes you lazy. And number four, spread the love. Let's keep this conversation going in the comments as well. Let me know if what I said resonated with you. Did it bring up any personal examples that you have? Do you disagree with any of my points? Let's continue this dialogue. Thank you so much for tuning in to Have Some Style. This is a podcast that I've really wanted to get off the ground for a while now to really bring my experience as a fashion journalist and style expert to the forefront and engage in conversations that I think could be very, very helpful. I have a lot of amazing content and guests to come. So if you liked what you were hearing, I would be ever so grateful if you might be so kind to give me a five-star rating and review this podcast so that more people could be aware of the conversations that we're trying to have around personal style and how important that is and how we can all really help each other. And if you'd like to keep this conversation with me going, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Moshe Lundstrom and on TikTok at Friend in Fashion, which are both linked below in the episode notes. You can also find more tips, tricks, and fashion mantras on my social media, as well as my website, www.moshalundstrom.com, where you'll be kept up to date on future videos, plus segments that I do on TV and radio, on City Line, on CBC, on NPR, As a fashion journalist and style expert, I also write for Vogue.com, Scandinavian Vogue, and a number of other publications. I'll I'll share my work there. And lastly, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I actually have a family business called Thermakota, where we make beautiful, sustainable shearling coats and home decor inspired by our Scandinavian roots and love of the seasons. And it really is an extension of my personal style as well. So if you'd like to check that out, that's also linked below. But until next time, whatever you do, don't forget to have some style. Thank you so much.